Water. It's essential to life, but it's also something that so many of us here in America take for granted. Imagine how different your life would be without access to clean water in your home. What if you had to walk to the nearest creek, stream, lake, or pond to get water? Suddenly, going to work and school wouldn't be an option because you and your children would have to spend your days collecting water. This is the day-to-day reality of most families living in the world's poorest countries. But what if I told you that you can change that reality for just pennies a day? Through our water projects, Food for the Poor is working to meet the need for water in 17 impoverished countries. But it won't happen without you. Incredibly, it only takes $15 to provide a child access to clean water for life. $15. Decades and decades of access to water for a child. Give the life-changing gift of water now. Just text USA Radio to 91999. Text USA Radio, all one word, to 91999. The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Radiolawtalk.com. With your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, radiolawtalk.com. Welcome to hour number two of Radio Law Talk. I'm Todd Cunin, filling in for Fred Penny, who's on assignment. Denise Dirks in her usual position of prominence to my right. How'd that first hour go for you, Denise? It went well. I know. It went by fast, didn't it? It went by fast. I I truly did not know we had yeah. talked that much I mean, and that long. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and look, especially when Fred's here, but the three of us, we're never really much at a loss for words. You ever notice that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that? And that and that sultry, sultry baritone laughter you hear. Cal Hunter. Now back to Radio Law Talk Smooth Jazz. <laughs> you know, it, just just on, on on talking and and how we never are at a uh, a loss for words, if you if you will, Denise. I got to ask you. So, you know, you're you're a practicing attorney, and you make regular court appearances for your clients on your cases, right? I'm a practicing attorney. When you go to court, are they uh, recorded sessions, or is there a court reporter there? Well, it depends on the county, number one, because I practice in 10 different counties. But sometimes there is a court reporter, but mostly there's no longer court reporters in family law cases, unless it's a contempt. So they're audio recording them for some sort of – there's no audio. audio No, audio recording has been – it's not allowed. So there's no record of those courses? It's it's not allowed in family law. It's not allowed in family law and – also probate. Okay. So I think I don't know if they're doing it in civil context, but in family law and probate, they're not allowing um, audio. So I, I regularly appear in court. I'm you know, at least three days a week. I have several clients on calendar. Uh, two of those days, they're all misdemeanors that I'm appearing on, and then another, mm-hmm. the third day, is all felonies. On the misdemeanor days, no court reporter. All proceedings are audio recorded, and if somebody wants a transcript, then they take that audio recording, send it to a transcriber, you can get the transcript. And it's for cost-cutting measures, and they've been doing that since, like, 2010 when real budget issues hit California. But the felony matters all have the court reporter there taking everything down, and, and (laughs) and I'm friends with the court reporters. And I, I always try 
But every once in a while, you get going with an argument, and you're you're really hitting it, and you make eye contact with the court reporter, and I'll tell you. I need to be wearing a flak jacket because if if, if looks could kill, <laughs> you know, they're just looking at me like, I didn't get like the last five minutes of what you said, Mr. Lightning Tongue. <laughs> now, do they record that thing so they can have a backup in case they can plug in that? Or do they just say inaudible or I didn't get that? <laughs> um, so, so they try to stop you normally, but if you're on a yeah. roll. And, and you know, I, I should also say there's way back in the day, I was still a law student. I was clerking was dating a court reporter mm. and she had just started it, it, she just got through with court reporting school and, and this is where i learned that you really want to you should slow down forget everyone's about you really want to slow down and make sure that record is good because i, I went over to her place uh, and she's oh, i got a lot of work to do because you know they she just court reporting all day and then at night when she gets home she has to go through that transcript to clean it up you know spelling errors and things like that yeah and she goes, see, this is what I hate. And I looked, and it's like all gibberish for two pages. <laughs> like, I got no idea what was, you know, what was said there because I'm trying to take it down and people go too fast. She, she just looks at me and goes, this is why you always have to talk slow. It wasn't on my case, mind you, or anything. I was a law clerk. But... So the worst thing she can hear is, and furthermore, let me state. Yes. <laughs> oh, and what, what are the buzzwords? Uh, you know, I, I just have one last question. <laughs> <laughs> Every time an attorney says, I just have one last question, the, the ratio at which that is actually the last question versus going on is like probably one out of 50 is where it's actually the last Well, it's question. usually a speech question. Isn't it true, sir, that blah, 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 yeah. blah. Well, that's and only then, if yeah. it's an adverse witness. Yeah, okay. That's true. That's yeah. true. But, uh, but yeah, so just a, a, a tip. If any lawyers are listening out there, a tip. If you're in court and there's a court reporter – Speak slowly enough so that they can get it down. Because if you don't, yeah, there's the, you don't want to be in contempt of court. You don't want to be in contempt of court clerk. <laughs> and you don't want to be in contempt of court reporter. Those be are, their friends. Those are the three contempts you want to avoid in court. What about the bailiffs? Are they usually good guys? Uh, yeah. Or, or, or female? I, great, yeah, they're, great, great they're really good people. Guys, metaphorically, I meant. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Folk, yeah. Great, great folks. Um, look, I have a I, – I have – a philosophy when I go to court, and it's it's easier to attract bees with honey than it is vinegar. You know, if if you treat people with respect, you, you treat everybody with as much respect as you treat the judge. You should treat the judge with deference. What's the what will it hurt you to be nice to everyone? And, yeah, and uh, let me tell you, my my philosophy is that I enjoy my job more when I'm kind and when I am civil. I don't enjoy my job when I'm not. Yeah. So it's a lot better for my health. It's a lot better for my mental state. And it's a lot better for everybody around me for me to show respect and civility and to be kind. So do you take donuts in and stuff? I mean, I mean, does that kind of you stuff can't happen? anymore. I used to bring uh, chocolate-covered yeah. strawberries in, F but file, you can't. File a motion with a Snickers bar attached to it yeah. trying to bribe the judge. Just saying. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> here's, that, here's that old-fashioned you've been wanting, judge, dipped in chocolate. Here we go. <laughs> I, I, I think that just going to court and being civil with each other. It's a, such a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can tell when an attorney gets to court and maybe they've, they, they're they gearing up for the argument and they've got it in their head and that, you know, I, I'm getting ready to do battle. I'm going to fight. And look, if you understand that that's – don't take the bait. Just uh, being nice is like one of the best ways to diffuse that, right? And I've been doing yeah. that for 20-plus years. I had an adversary who um, at one time had assaulted me. 
Um, and it was not pretty. And that person is no longer alive. But we didn't have a good relationship for many years. And finally, I figured out how to have a good relationship with them. And I killed him with kindness. And in between um, us being there in the courtroom and arguing and us just being there, I started to talk to him about his dog, about his family, and started to try to relate to him. And you know what? Before he passed, we had made up. And we had actually been able to get um, a lot more accomplished together than we had in the past. I think that's good news. And, yeah. and But that's true of all human relationships. The problem with court-based relationships, and you guys know this better than anybody, is there is a lot of stress involved, and that can sometimes change the way people look at the world. It, that, that's true. That's true. But the, the most stress really is probably felt by the clients. I, 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 tell, this to, I tell this to my clients. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm advising somebody, any particular client, I'm advising them about you know, their defenses and stuff, and I always have to have this type of conversation with them. Look, if this case goes to trial, I'm happy to do the trial. I, I, but you got to understand – I'm not the one that bears the risk of having to do all the time in jail if we lose. You are. If you're okay with that risk, let's do the trial. But if you're not, then we need to reevaluate. And I mean that. It's like the first time that they realize that, yeah, the risk here, which leads to the anxiety, that's all on their shoulders. And uh, Yeah. Because you're going to go home and have lunch no matter what happens to them, right? I that's, mean, that's, yeah. That's true. I might not eat a lot of it. But, right. for, for my clients, I'll like – I may make jokes or, you know, I may try to talk lightheartedly about things and not about the substance necessarily because I'm already ready for it and they're just stressed. So I do say something like, oh, you know, I'm going to talk lightheartedly or I may make jokes, but it's only because we need the tension release. So don't think I'm not taking your case seriously, you know. And so I try to tell them that in advance and, you know, they do appreciate it. I think I told you before, before I had heart surgery, one of the things they asked about the stress level in my life, are you in the middle of a lawsuit? Because <laughs> they say, take five years off yes. the average person's life, you know. You yeah. can ask me and Todd that every day, and it's yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So uh, when we come back, Cal's going to give us another case or no case. You're listening to Radio yeah. Law Talk. Uh, don't go away. A lot of stuff to talk about for this later hour. And if you want to call in just to chime in with your opinions, you can get us at... 855-LAW-RADIO. That's 855-529-7234. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. Radio Law Talk. Commercials and other announcements aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance. It's not worth it. Worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0940. 800-670-0940. 800-670-0940. 
That's 800-670-0940. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-352-3308. That's 800-352-3308. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said, My air conditioner broke and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now, and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back. Call now, 800-238-9182, Again, that's 800-238-9182. Medicare rules are confusing. They should be. There are over 130,000 pages of regulations. There's Part A through D, Medicare Advantage, and Medigap. According to the CMS, there are government programs available that can help you pay for your medical expenses. Choosing the right Medicare plan is a really big deal. The wrong choice can cost you a lot of money, and the right choice can put more money in your pocket. Call one of our licensed representatives today. At 65 Plus Medicare, our free service can show you a plan that will maximize your Medicare benefits, ensure you are taking advantage of all available government assistance programs, and save you money. Plus, call right now and get a free report on how to avoid costly Medicare mistakes. Call now. 800-220-7612-800-220-7612-800-220-7612. That's 800-220-7612. This is the best show ever. Not literally. This is Radio Law Talk. And now, back to the show. Okay, so we got case or no case coming up here. Last hour, Cal Cal tried to stump us, but, you know, Denise, the, the, the legal acumen, we, we snuffed it out. Cal, round two. My mic just goes to show you what I, when it comes to legal matters, I'm nothing but a civilian. But right now, I hold all the cards, and they are these. Now it's time to play Case or No Case. General Motors has had a lot of success, Oldsmobile and Pontiac notwithstanding. 
Did you know that GM once had one of the first air-cooled engines in the history of the world? Before, Cor- before the Corvair, I mean, and Volkswagen and all. Developed by the same man who came up with another major innovation for cars, the electric start for engines. No more standing in front and cranking it. And what car was that on? The Cadillac. The GM project that eventually produced the famous copper-cooled Chevrolet was put out there by Charles F. Kettering, the brilliant engineer who developed the electric starter. By the way, other major innovations that came, of course, were power brakes and power steering and air conditioning, all of which changed cars forever. But this was an idea to cool engines without water. Why? Simple manufacturing costs. You eliminate the water pump, you eliminate the radiator, and if they could do that, General Motors with Chevrolet could then maybe keep up with Henry Ford and his juggernaut known as the Model T. So they get out there, they start building, they got some copper fins, bent them around like an accordion, and welded them onto the cylinder jackets and said, well, that ought to keep it cool, and away they went. But before they could sell even a thousand of the cars, disaster. The engine was undersized and therefore overworked, and therefore it was running much hotter than they thought it would. The cooling fins were attached to, rather than molded into, the cylinder heads. That and the small displacement led to so many engine failures that only two copperhead engines exist in the world today that we know of. So the Board of General Motors decided it was time to give the new boss who brought all of this idea with them. Give him the boot. The Board of GM decided to say, let's get rid of this clown. He said, fine, I'll go out and develop this air-cooled theory by myself. I quit. They said, no, you can't quit. We'll have to fire you to avoid an expensive severance payout. You can't quit, and you can't take your designs with you, by the way. So Mr. Newsom went to his lawyer and said, they tried to fire me. Now I want to quit. They won't let me. Do I have a case or no case, Todd? All right, so, so I'm a little confused here. Why? So his employment eventually was severed one way or another. No, I didn't say that. Okay. I said so, they wanted to fire him because of the, the air-cooled failure. He said, that's fine. I'll take my design. I'll go somewhere else to go with another company. They said, you can't do that. And by the way, uh, if we fire you, we've got to pay you out. Especially if you steal this design, we can't have that. So he said, fine, I quit. And they said, no, you can't quit. We have to. Well, anyway, the point is that it went back and forth two or three times and he finally said, I just want to quit and get out of there. Okay. Um, all right. So here's the – I'm going to say this is a case. All right. Okay. This is a case. Right. And, well, I, so, so I will opine here. I could be wrong. Oh, go ahead. But what the heck. This is a case, and the reason it's important is I'm just going to say this one is probably it really spurred on the whole – doctrine or concept of employment at will, where, you know, you are free to work for a company or leave a company at any time. A a, a company cannot force you to keep working for them. Uh, If you have a contract for employment and you you don't want to honor it, there might be remedies, liquidated damages clauses, things like that, but they can't force you to come in and work and apply your craft and labor and stuff like that not uh, since the emancipation proclamation actually, exactly suppose, and yeah. and, right. and so this was uh it was a lawsuit primarily for him to be able to show and prove that if i want to quit i can quit yep. and and he prevails on that if he can quit they cannot prevent him from quitting very well said denise what do you think well is there a year on this 
Uh, it was in the early 1900s when the automobile industry was very young. Got it. Remember that? So this didn't involve the Chevy Vega. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> the no. Chevy Vega had different metals in its in engine, and they cooled at different rates. That's true. And, that and was, it failed. Well, they failed all the time. But the real first successful air-cooled engine by General Motors was in the Corvair. I'm just impressed at Denise's I had a com- knowledge Corvair. of mechanical things. Yeah. Yeah, nice, no, that's right? really interesting because um, I went from a Chevy Vega to buying a Ford Pinto. <laughs> I did a step Ooh, down. Good move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool, it's at different rates, but if I get hit from the back, I'm going to explode. Whatever. Well, you make choices in life. You know. <laughs> exactly. Which one of these? So. No, we used to have a Corvair too, and it had it was on the ocean side. So it the bottom of the in the back seat, it had rusted out. And when I would drive, it would make me sick because I'd see the ground below. Oh, no. <laughs> going underneath my Denise, feet. Denise, you can't okay. stall another two minutes to try to get extra <laughs> oh, time. She's going to try. I mean, we, we still got time. <laughs> I'm on to you, Dirks. I'm on to you. <laughs> what do you think, Well, this, this could be, you know, the case that decided that when you are hired by an employer and you come up with a design, it's the employer's design, too. Could be. Could be. Um, but there's something about this case that is telling me it's too detailed. There's too much information, and I'm going to say it's no case. My Achilles foot is I give you everything I can. I find these topics. I research them like crazy. <laughs> and Denise says, okay, that's too much research. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fair enough. That's fair so, enough. So, Denise, you're saying no case. I'm saying no case. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, you know, I, I don't want to – I want to go to the uh, next segment to get our answer. I, I want to. That's I fine. want people to leave. If, if you're listening to the show, you can call in eight five 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 two nine seven two three four. Tell Cal what you think. You think this is a case? You think Cal's making it up? <laughs> that's that's what we want to know. Well, these were pioneers in the automotive industry, and this was at a time when car companies were like current modern-day computer companies, innovation after innovation. Oh, we got power brakes. Well, we got power steering. Well, we have air conditioning. Well, we can start a car with a key instead of with a crank. I mean, this was an amazing time for the automotive industry, and that's what attracted me to it in the first place. So when we come back, we'll have the answer to case or no case. If you stay there, we'll continue momentarily. Promise. Every Saturday, live on RadioLawTalk.com and on many radio stations coast to coast. Radio Law Talk and RadioLawTalk.com. Commercials and other announcements aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 Network today. We'll get them off your back. 
I've got to get my car washed. This dirt, it just won't do. The best thing about Quick Cut Car Wash is whenever you go through, the smell on your car is always great, and they have super fun lights and colors. But I don't have no time today. I don't know what I do. Your car smells good and it's clean at Quick Cut Car Wash. And I know this place right down the road. Quick 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 Quack car, car, car Wash. Quick Quack Car Wash. Get the quick quack confidence. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Get the quick quack habit. Take your car once a week. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. I like quick quack because of the mascot, Quackles. Come on, quick quack car. So we sell unlimited membership for per vehicle. You can add a family plan and add an additional vehicle at a discounted rate. Don't drive that dirty car. You are a loser. Are you serious? This is Radio Law Talk. And now, back to the show. All right, Cal. We're ready for the answer. A case or no case, why don't you give us a quick recap yeah, kind of, of the scenario? A, yeah, guy worked for Chevrolet, came up with an innovative plan to save cost on manufacturing, making an air-cooled engine with little copper fins welded onto the heads. Went out there. The engine failed miserably. GM wanted to fire the guy. He said, you can't fire me. I quit, and I'm taking all of my designs with me. Remember, he developed the electric starter for the Cadillac engine. This was a smart guy. They said, you can't go. You can't take your stuff with you. And B, if we fire you, wait a minute. If you quit, we have to pay you a pension. If we fire you, we don't have to. It's in our contract. He said, well, that's fine. I'm quitting anyway. They said, no, you're not. So it became case or no case. That was a setup for it. And I know it's hard to follow, but that's okay. It's true. This has actually happened in the lore of automotive Americana. The question is, what really happened? So I said, I said it was a case, yes, and that the guy wins. Mm-hmm. And Denise said, no case. Well, this is what's interesting. The egomaniacal Bill Knutson stayed at General Motors for a long time and oversaw lots of improvements in every division. He's one of the reasons General Motors made it through the startup phase of the automotive industry. So, therefore, no case. So, <laughs> that is that. Next hour, the great country singer Patsy Klein. That's right, a crazy case or no case with Patsy Klein. And that does it for this hour. All right, all right, Cal. Cal Cal's lying again. Still, <laughs> I, I want I want to be there. I want to be there. Pearly Gates Almighty looks down at Cal. Says, "Well, I don't know. Was it worth it? I th- no, I think he's going to say to me, okay, case or no case. Give me the parameters. <laughs> heaven or no heaven.' That's Which, what I'm, uh, <laughs> whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Want to go there? Uh, let's see here. Oh, brother. Yeah, we talked about Jeffrey Epstein a little bit in connection with the Jesse Smollett case, very tangentially uh, with regard to his Smollett's claim. I'm not committing suicide now. That was similar. But there is stuff going on with another person related to the Epstein shenanigans, and it's Ghislaine Maxwell. And what's what's going on? 
Well, she had a trial, and she was found guilty of, I think it was like five out of the six um, charges against her for trafficking um, and, and sex trafficking, human trafficking. And we soon, right after the verdict was, was read, we started to hear from juror number 50. And juror number 50 said, you know, good thing I was on that jury because you know, the other jurors, they were kind of having a hard time making a decision, and they couldn't understand why all of these victims just didn't have very good recollection, couldn't remember certain things. And so I, being a victim, had to tell them how that could happen, and that it's likely to happen, that there would be some memory loss and some different things. And that, thank goodness I did, because that changed their, that changed their minds. They all voted guilty. And now this guilty verdict is a success or a guilty verdict for all of the other victims out there. There we go. Now, everything you're saying right now about his claims, what he said, he, he said that in an interview like with the Daily Mail or something where, where he said that and then this was published. Yes. All attributed to him, right? Yes. Okay. So, so what happens after that comes out? So, of course, then everybody wants to know, especially the defense and even the prosecutors, wanted to know how he answered his juror questionnaire under penalty of perjury because they're like well why wouldn't we have known that you were a victim of a sexual assault and he's oh i answered it just as 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 accurately as i could i kind of went a little quick through it but i would have answered it truthfully because in the questionnaire there there was a question says have you or a family member ever been a victim of sexual assault he says he went through it really quickly but he did write the word no Next to that question, right? That's correct. Okay, so where, where, what, what's going on now? What, what, is, what, does, uh, what does Maxwell's defense team do with this, these nuggets of information? Well, first of all, if he lied on his jury questionnaire, that means that the attorneys more likely did not get to question him about a potential bias he would have related to somebody who has been a victim of sexual assault. And when you say they wouldn't have been able to question us, because if if you look at a questionnaire and somebody says no, you're not just going to go up to somebody and go, oh, isn't it? I mean, have you really never been a – you're going to read the word no and move on and not even address that question with them, right? That's correct. Okay. And so that's um, – so he thought he had answered everything truthfully, couldn't really remember, had made some sort of an excuse about it. He went through it really fast, you know, and was kind of in a hurry because he got there a little late and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so then when this article came out, um, not just the defense said, hey, she needs a new trial. But the prosecutor said, eh, more likely we're looking at that. And then the defense says, we don't even need an investigation for this. This is an obvious problem. And the judge goes, no, I still have to abide by the law and do an investigation. So in the investigation, they have to put this juror under penalty of perjury and ask questions. And if you lie on your juror questionnaire, it is penalty of perjury issue, which could be a felony that's that's true, and so so here he's in a pickle, right? He's in a pickle. He's in a pickle. He, he lawyers up. That's right. And what happens? Well, yeah, and the pickle is, he's ordered to testify. If he shows up and testifies and admits that he answered truthfully, he's looking at perjury. 
if he doesn't, then he's running the risk of maybe perjuring himself in the proceeding that he's testifying to now. So you said he lawyers up. He says, I'm going to plead the fifth, which he can do. I'm not going to answer any questions unless what? Unless I get immunity. Well, this is now a common theme. And this is one that I struggle with. Todd has a better explanation for it. But I struggle with the fact that if you give every juror that does not answer the questionnaire or does misconduct immunity, then what's going to be the consequence for another juror to do that or potential juror to do that and that may be financially motivated and the reason the reason you say that if you give every juror this isn't the first time this issue has come up recently last week we talked about the juror in the scott peterson case who didn't answer certain questions on the questionnaire and the question was she lying or did she purposely omit it and she only testified, I mean, this is 20 years after that trial, she only testified at the hearing after she was given a grant of immunity. And that's in the Scott Peterson case. That's in the Scott Peterson case. And now you have this case here where this juror, number 50, only testifies after being given a grant of immunity. And so I think your point is well taken. If if the most that's going to happen to these jurors is they have embarrassment but they're not held to answer for signing a jury questionnaire under the penalty of perjury for the false answers they gave. Where's the deterrent effect? Boy, we talked about that with Smollett, right, last hour. Where's the deterrent effect to keep jurors from doing this moving forward? That's your concern? Yes. Yeah, and I I think it's a legitimate concern. The the only thing that I think going forward on this is – one of the issues I've always had as a trial attorney doing criminal defense and prosecution is it strikes me when people get back into the jury room. You got 12 jurors back there, and if one juror is not adhering to the rules they're supposed to adhere to, or if it's clear that one juror did not give information, I don't think the other jurors know what to do when that happens. So they just stay silent and they kind of muddle through, and that leads to hung juries if they can't read, uh, if they can't reach a verdict or things. I think that this process here. Maybe generally for the moving forward for the next few years at least, educating all potential jurors to this. If you're sitting in the jury room and it's clear to you that somebody is not following the rules, you do have recourse. You send a note to the judge and say somebody is not doing what they're supposed to do and let the judge deal with that while the deliberations are still happening, as opposed to this coming out after the fact, a guilty verdict has been rendered, and now we got to re-arc the cards and do this all over again. You know, I think here the ability to get people educated is going to be served by these cases. Well, and this is a perfect example of when we have two competing interests. We have the interests of the public in the truth of jurors and full disclosure by jurors, but we also have the protections for the defendant on their right not to, you know, to, their right to innocence until they're proven guilty and to a fair and speedy trial. That was just what I was going to say. You've got to keep the process as fair as it can possibly be. It has to do with due process. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the, the accused's due process rights in this scenario should outweigh. outweigh the others. But we'll keep talking about this when we come back from the break. There's more to discuss about juror number 50 
Don't go away. You're listening to Radio Law Talk. Thank you, Todd. This is Radio Law Talk, available on many local radio stations whom we love and on radiolawtalk.com, streaming live. We'll be back. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In, ready to grow with you. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny and Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny and Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. I've got to get my car washed, this dirt, it just won't do. But I don't have no time today, I don't know what I do. And I know this place right down the road. Quick, quack, car wash. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. Come on, quick, quack, car wash. Don't drive that dirty car. Quick, quack, car wash. They'll have you looking sharp. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800-711-9218. That's 800-711-9218. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. 
and they are able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. That's 800-263-2610. This is Radio Law Talk with Frederick Penny. So juror number 50 in the Maxwell case, uh, he's testified. He's in the middle of testifying. He's been given the grant of immunity. So anything he says, I mean, they're not going to nail him for perjury on his uh, questionnaire. And he's free to answer the questions without criminal repercussions. Uh, as a result of the way he filled out the questionnaire. And, you know, the issue here is, you know, I, I know what he says where he says, look, I blew through the questionnaire and I answered no because I don't on the victim question because I don't really consider myself a victim. And I didn't really understand and it was fast and stuff. But this is what I know having done trials on sexual assault cases as a prosecutor. Um. The, the thing they call it here, they'll call it a jury out, this particular judge that I had in one case. It's a jury out. So if somebody answered yes to that question about being a victim, right, uh, the first thing it would the judge in going through, if this is one of the people that has to – it's actually sitting there ready to be questions. The judge would inquire said, okay, you answered yes to this question. Is that something you feel comfortable discussing in front of the group? Or is that something – that you would prefer to discuss with just me and the court reporter and the attorneys in private. And almost all of them say I'd prefer for it to be in private. And I have to assume that that happened. In in the cases that I prosecuted, the jury would literally get up and they'd go out and it would be an empty courtroom. We didn't go to a separate room. The prospective jurors all left the courtroom. We stayed there. And part of that's because the defendant has a right to stay there and they don't want him going back in the – or anything like that. And so we would ask... Um, or the cell. Yeah. Well, well, in this one case, the guy was out of custody. But uh, and so we would ask the questions of uh, the prospective juror. Now, Cal raised a point. I think this was in our first hour the, uh, when we were teeing up these cases. Cal raised a point about some people who had been victims maybe trying to get on the jury as some sort of exacting vengeance because of what had happened to them. And I know that there's some of that allegation against juror number 50. In every case where I was doing trials and somebody wanted to talk about this, every time, without a de- without exception, the juror always said, Honestly, given my experiences, the subject matter of this case hits too close to home. I cannot be fair and impartial. I should go. But did did anyone on any of the cases you worked have a plan to write a book or profit from this? No, no, they didn't. But I just just think that just because somebody has been a prior victim doesn't mean that they always want to get on a jury. Some want – here's the thing, and this is – it's sad, right? This is the thing that I noticed, and even this – the one judge that we had who had – he was retired, but he had been a judge for 30 years in this jurisdiction – noted this, that the people that said that they had prior instances where they had been a victim, 
I mean, we had some people in their 20s, 30s, male and female. We had men in their 50s and 60s, even older. First time they had ever discussed it since it happened way back when they were teens, and it's coming up now. Wow. And just to see that, that this sexual assault and all this stuff, it, it cuts across all cross-sections of society, people that you would never think had ever been a victim have, and they've, just, they've been living their whole lives with this burden. And it was amazing to me. I just felt for these people, and you know, I, I felt bad that they were even called as an adjurer because the subject of this case raised such a sensitive issue for them. But, um, but it, it's just really sad to see. Really sad. Yeah. Um, when I filled out my jury questionnaire, I really didn't know how many criminals I had in my family <laughs> until I filled well, that out. Well, Dirks is an outlaw name. You know? Well, Dirks, there's a very famous case, SEC versus Dirks, about insider trading, and I do believe that's one of my relatives uh, from the okay. East Coast. But that's just white-collar crime. I have yeah. other criminals in my family got, guys that like I didn't got a longer realize. neck or something like that you know I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know the thing with juror, this juror number 50 getting back to maxwell though is i get if you were rushed when you filled out the questionnaire but i have to assume this question came up with at least one other juror during entire jury selection and at that point in time why didn't you think Oh, that's what you meant by that question. Well, I should really change my answer. This might apply to me. You know, but no, yeah. when it came around to you, and look, maybe you were the first one questioned. It comes around to you and hasn't been raised with anybody else. But by the time it does get raised with other people, and trust me, it does come up. That's when you as the jurors say, well, hold on. Well, plus the judge almost always gives at the very beginning a little bit of description about what the, the you know, what the case could be about. And we'll be talking and asking questions about this type, um, you know, and your experiences in that type of a matter. And so, I mean, for sure, this is very odd that he did not disclose it. Um, now, I understand him not wanting to identify as a victim. Because if you are a victim, you know, you're told you're a survivor and you're not going to be a victim anymore. And, and I get that. But it's still perjury, guys. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing. He's not done testifying. Because right now we've only talked about one of the two aspects that's really central to the court. The first one is, did he perjure himself? Was he lying to get on so that he could get famous? And that's all about what he did to make it as a juror. The second question is... Whether or not he used his experiences, evidence that was not presented at trial, all of that, to persuade other jurors during the deliberation process. Now, he, in his interviews, he claimed that he absolutely did and championed the fact that he did, with, probably without even thinking, oh, my gosh, <laughs> uh, I'm not, I wasn't supposed to do that. I'm removing all fairness from this system. Exactly. And, and that's the second inquiry. And I think it's that latter inquiry that was what really spurred the defense to say, look, he said this is what happened. We don't need an investigation if that's what happened. And he admitted that's what happened. I, you know, He said other jurors were having difficulty with 
certain victims who testified that didn't remember things, and I had to get in and explain, based upon my experiences, why somebody may or may not remember something, and that helped them get over the hump. Because that's what you did, and you and you did it using evidence that was not presented at trial from your own personal experience? So the juror as an expert witness in the jury room, in effect. Exactly. Right? That yeah. is – that's – textbook juror misconduct. Wow. You don't even have to speculate that it influenced the jury because he's bragging that it did. And he intended it to. That's exactly. And and that will be the subject of his testimony. Further testimony. When, when he takes the stand next week. Yeah, that's the part that I'm really interested in because I don't know how he's going to get around that. Yeah. And, that, you know, he definitely had an instruction, a jury instruction that says, don't you know, don't go out and look at other things. Don't listen to anything else. And and it really implies the misconduct of the other jurors, too, if they actually took into consideration the things that he told. And that gets back to, to what I said about why it is that I, I'm okay with them granting immunity in these last two cases, Peterson and Maxwell, because this educates the general public. Before they still know, but this this is a good example of education to the general public, prospective jurors on future cases. If somebody is sitting in the jury room and you notice or observe that they are going beyond the rules that you're supposed to abide by, notify the judge. If they're litigating the course, uh, the case for the attorneys on either side, yes. in effect. Yeah? No, notify the judge, and this gives them the opportunity to know what to do. Yeah, I'd like to give a quick little update on Kelly Clarkson's divorce. Absolutely. She settled, and she got off easy, in my opinion. I'm really glad that she got it settled because that's the best thing for her, best thing for her former spouse and best thing for the children. And you know Um, what you're talking about. You do these kind of cases. Oh, yes, and this is in California, so it's definitely the law that I know. So she has to pay her former husband um, $45,000 a month for child support. Um, she passed to pay him $1.3 million for the settle the property. She basically got all the property except for the livestock and some vehicles that went to him. He gets to stay on their Montana property until June, paying her 2000 a month. And she has to pay him $115,000 a month for spouse support until one half the length of the marriage is over, January 31st, 2024. Wow. Wow. I wonder if there's an agreement for her to buy the livestock after they've gone to the butcher because she's got to eat. Well, obviously, that's not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) We're done with hour number two. Cal, take us away. I'm sorry. That was mean. I didn't mean it to be. It just was. Radio Law Talk will continue. We'll be back at six minutes after the next hour, either live on the radio or at radiolawtalk.com. You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com, a copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated. Hi, 
Hi, this is Wayne Alaroot from my great friends John and Chelsea Jubilee of Energized Health. They're regular guests on my show, sharing their breakthrough science of intercellular hydration. Recently, they were guests at my wedding. Everyone kept saying, wow, you look so much younger, healthier, thinner, Wayne. You look younger at age 60 than 50. What did you do? And I pointed them to John and Chelsea and said, they did it. Go talk to them. Energized Health changed my life. And the proof isn't just in how I look. I lost 25 pounds of fat, including the dangerous visceral fat. And I've kept the fat off for over a year. And I'll be on this program for life because it's sustainable. Don't just take my word for it. I've received more fan mail about Energized Health than any other advertiser in history. John and Chelsea Jubilee are transforming lives. Right now, Energized Health is offering my fans the war 40% off decisive action discount. 40% off. Go to EnergizedHealth.com or call toll-free 888-444-8895. Toll-free 888-444-8895 or EnergizedHealth.com. 